This is the Accidental Safety Pearl brought to you by Vivid Learning Systems and the Health and Safety Institute. This is episode number 25. Wow, we are halfway to 50. And we have a guest today who gets to be that number 25, which is awesome. My name is Jill James, Vivid's Chief Safety Officer. And today I'm joined by Josh, who is a safety professional at Garney Construction, which is a heavy civil construction company. And Josh is joining us from California today. Josh, welcome to the show. Greetings. So Josh, construction industry, we have not had a lot of people on the podcast from the construction trades yet. And so I am thrilled that you are here. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me on here. It's kind of cool. (laughs) So Josh, I'm interested to hear your story like we hear everyone else's of how did you get into safety? And it sounds like um, you have a pretty interesting journey. I know we've spoken just a little bit, and I can't wait to hear more about um, the experiences that you've had along the way. But where did you start out? What were those first jobs um, even before safety? What's the background in Josh's story? Well, that's a good question. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of background to that and how I came to be in the safety business, and it's a complete accident like your title of your, your podcast. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it all started when I was young. My dad's always been in the construction industry and building houses and stuff. So I kind of started young, going to his job sites as a kid and um, watching him do his thing, whether it's um, you know managing the work or actually performing work at the same time. So mm-hmm. started like... 14, 15 years old, I go to his job sites and kind of start with housekeeping and cleaning up uh, like basically the job sites and subcontractors messes and things like that. Mm -hmm. So he's putting you to work. He's putting me to work and Mm -hmm. I I appreciate it now. Back then I didn't really like it too much because Mm -hmm. I wanted to play sports all day and pretty much that was it. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, he'd bring me to work, and we'd go early, 6.30 in the morning, and mm-hmm. um, summer times were the, were the same, so I didn't get any breaks in the summer besides um, being away from school, but mm-hmm. I, like I said, I look back on it now, and I'm pretty thankful because it kind of made me who I am, like mm-hmm. well-rounded, I guess, I guess you can say, and mm-hmm. not old-fashioned, mm-hmm. but my dad's kind of an old-fashioned construction mm-hmm. guy, so mm-hmm. anyway, um, to kind of wrap that up into a nutshell 14 15 years old doing that kind mm-hmm. of naturally transitioning into um, the building aspect of things and um, operating equipment and stuff like that to uh, you know kind of help out as much as I can mm-hmm. and was your dad paying you <laughs> or is this part of the this is part of being part of a family <laughs> it was uh, both so uh-huh. you know yeah. It was kind of an interesting relationship because um, he didn't want um, to, it to come out of his pocket or come out of his company's pocket um, to pay me as a 15-year-old kid without yeah. a work permit because back then you had to have a work permit at 15 and stuff like that. But anyway. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, you, can see, you can see where we're going with all uh-huh, this stuff. I can. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, you, you have a big body of evidence of why you're doing safety. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so from there, you know, I started framing walls, doing drywall, digging out um, utility lines and things mm-hmm. like that and kind of being the jack of all trades, non-union, and making mm-hmm. things happen, I guess you could call it. 
um, instead mm-hmm. of being really safety minded. But right, right, getting it done. Getting it done, and that's yeah. kind of the mentality in construction, and it still kind of is. And um, you know, I've listened to uh, most of your podcasts before, and a lot of people talk about um, the struggle of not having an actual place where you can learn specific construction safety or there's not really a an institute or a uh, a school for that so it's really kind of like a general thing you know occupational health and safety well that kind mm-hmm. of covers anything in occupational health so if you work for right. somebody it's gonna you're gonna be covered in that per, that training or that schooling or, or whatever mm-hmm. but um so from that point forward um just kind of getting heavily involved in building and stuff like that, More, mostly residential stuff. Mm-hmm. And again, it was non-union. Um, yeah. And, and by this time, are you have you branched out past where your dad was working, and you're working at different companies? Yeah, yeah. I was working for different developers, and you know, still within relationship with his company and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I have my dad to thank to get my foot in the door in construction for that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I think the same thing. You know, same thing for me. By way of like just being, I don't know, maybe adept at industry and how things worked. My my dad wasn't in the construction trades. He was in the printing industry. And as his printing factory was, a well, half a block away from my elementary school. And when he worked swing shift and he got off of work the same time my school got out. And so I would work, walk over to the factory and walk right into the factory floor unheard of right like i'm an Mm -hmm. elementary kid and i'm walking up to the whirling printing presses (laughs) and you know i knew all the people that worked on the presses i knew there were seven press men as they were called and they were all men and i knew what all their job functions were and i you know i saw what they did i saw the injuries that they had um i didn't really i thought that felt sad you know when we were talking about somebody's finger got caught in the stitcher Mm. Um, I'm like, wow, that's bad. But it, it, as a really young person, opened my eyes to what mm, a piece of the American workforce, let's put it that way. And um, I wasn't fearful of, you know, industry, uh, but respectful of it and the people that, you know, that did the work. And I'm sure that's what your eyes were seeing as a 14 and 15 year old kid starting out too. And it just grew and expanded from there, right? Yeah, you know, and a lot of the times is when you're trying to get things done or you walk, like you said, you walk into a, a facility, a manufacturing facility, and you're like, this is kind of where I grew up. You kind of get used to it. And you kind of, yeah. uh, if someone doesn't tell you something, you kind of don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So as you keep going, and I'm sure I did a lot of things that I sure, probably shouldn't have done on the safety side of things. but Right, because we didn't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happens next? You're, you're, you're working in the construction trades. How long did that last, and then what happened? Yeah, probably throughout high school to early college before I left to Kansas City to go to college. Um, mm-hmm. I actually went to college initially for music, but... Hmm. Um, ended up going back going for my occupational health and safety um degree and i'm currently trying to get that done right now trying to finish that up so music what do you play is it an instrument or vocals or (laughs) theory what is it josh (laughs) well it all started um i was in a in a rock band when i was 17 and 
um, kind of just self-taught and tried to do the you know rock and roll thing and um, uh-huh. it got kind of transformed and evolved into a love and I was like well, maybe I should just hone this craft because I'm getting pretty good at it and maybe I mm-hmm. should know what I'm doing translate this into paper or translate it into something that's understandable mm-hmm. so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do that and then I traveled in a in a band across the U.S. Hmm. That was fun, and it was also chock full of really interesting experiences. <laughs> right, different safety exposures. Oh my gosh! Oh mm-hmm. my gosh! Anyway, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's yeah, <laughs> music, vocals. I tried all. So uh huh. So do do you still dabble in that? Yeah, every so often I, I have a guitar at home, and oh, I still awesome. strum and stuff like that. The singing safety professional. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I should incorporate that into my toolbox meetings. Right. <laughs> <laughs> See how that works. Write some lyrics around wearing personal protective equipment. Yeah. <laughs> that's hey, that's awesome. Right. <laughs> I mean, some maybe no one's done that before. You may have just found a niche market. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a different side of the brain, so maybe it will work. Who knows? Right. <laughs> It'll appeal to to certain certain audiences for sure. Yeah. All right. So you you went to college for music. You you made a shift though. So what's going on then? So um, you know, I'd have my breaks at college in college, and I'd yeah. go back home and visit and do some more work with my dad and stuff like that. Um, I happened to meet my wife um while I was in college, and she was in California, and I'm in Kansas City, so. As a guy who is in love, you you travel your you travel right. to the place where you know your wife is and you know follow your heart. Follow your heart, exactly, <laughs> exactly what it was. So I kind of stopped doing the the college thing for music then, and went mm-hmm. back home and started um, doing some construction in the in the unions and uh, being an hmm. operating engineers and hmm. operating heavy equipment and stuff like that, trying to make a living and try to figure out what I want to do and. Yeah. You know, that's kind of actually where the safety started because my gap between um, breaks in college and going back home and, and to actually finally going back home yeah. to California from Kansas City, um, it stirred some questions um, for construction companies um, and even the general industry. They were getting pretty strict with, okay, you have to be certified this, you have to have this training. You mm-hmm. have to have a t- OSHA 10 or a 30. And, and mm-hmm. so to me, I, n- no one ever told me anything about it. I know that you would have to understand that, like, the different risks of different scopes of work and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really take into account, I didn't even know what a, a job hazard analysis was. I just, you know, I show up to work and l- hop in my pieces of equipment or grab my bags of tools and go to work. You know what I mean? And right, yeah. Not, not really have any communication or or like a uh, meeting with a supervisor or somebody leading leading a cause to make sure we go home safe at the end of the day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, it all basically came to a point where the company I was working for told me, hey, you need to go get it recertified on your telehandler. So I said, okay, I might as well go do it if I want to work. Mm-hmm. And I go to this safety training company who does these um, third-party forklift certifications for class seven. So I sure. went there. And um, I got, I was doing my training, sitting in a classroom and then doing the hands-on portion and <clears throat> got to talking with the trainer. And um, he was like, hey, would you ever be interested in being an instructor for equipment and heavy equipment and stuff? And I said, does it pay better than what I'm getting right now? 
right? <laughs> so, so that's kind of um, the turning point, to be honest. Pardon me for a second. Yeah. <clears throat> that was the turning point for me um, because I didn't realize, oh, I actually have to understand, like, why we do the things that we do in certain ways to help us go home at the end of the day. Yeah. And um, from that point, huh. I said, I put the flag up and put it in the ground and I said, yes, I'll do it. And, and it what, pays more. Did it pay and more? It, and it paid more. Okay. Yeah, surprisingly. <laughs> and, um, and it was a little closer to home. I didn't have to travel from my house to San Francisco or the North Bay and kind of give you an understanding of how what that looked like was every day I'd leave the house at like 4, 4 a.m. or three, sometimes 3.30 to make it to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It's only about 80, 85 miles from my house, but... Sometimes it'll take. That's a pretty big drive every yeah. day. Yeah, it would take some time. <laughs> I'll just put yeah. it that way. <laughs> yeah, and California traffic is no joke. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And sometimes it'd take me four hours to get home, leaving the city. Oh my gosh! Um, at uh, one o'clock or two o'clock, even. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, it was more stable, I guess you can say. Norm, I'm going to go every day, so I like that. Yeah. And that was another reason why I chose to do it. But what mm-hmm. that meant for me was I'm going to have to start learning all these uh, these rules and regulations and learn about what OSHA is and who they are and mm-hmm. and how things work. And, you know, as you as you learn and go through those things, and, um, you learn different topics. You mm-hmm. find out that there's so much stuff that you don't know. And I still mm-hmm. kind of have that mindset every time I learn something new. It's like, it's man. True. There's so much stuff that I don't know. Just it's true. Yeah, you know, I think that's I think that's kind of the beauty of of our professional practices. It's it's not really an occupation that gets stagnant because there's just always something new. You know, something to learn that we didn't we we didn't know cuz we didn't know like you said before or something that changed just in industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So were you focused, were you focused on, um, like heavy equipment certifications, that kind of safety? Is that, that first job? Is that what it yes. was about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first, the first year was, um, learning the OSHA rules and construction, mm-hmm. um, about operating heavy equipment and forklifts and cranes and things like that. Yeah. And it kind of, as you learn and read through the standards and stuff, you, you tend to start reading more standards that don't really have similar application, but it's in the book. So you read it, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, the company that I worked for happened to be a a consulting firm that did uh, a plethora of things, you know, to staffing um, safety professionals for companies or doing compliance training, or like we talked about before the podcast qualified person and competent person, um, trainings and things like that. And so naturally my boss challenged me to, uh, start learning and he would send me to, you know, different trainings so that I could be qualified to understand and and tell people and train people about, um, the stuff that's in the standard. Right. So Josh, um, I want to break from your story for just a second because you brought up two terms that, um, people ask about often and it's what is a competent person and what is a qualified person and how are those different? And, you know, I, they're, they're terms that are woven into the OSHA regulations. 
Um, and people get really concerned about them. Like, what does competent mean? Do I get a certificate? Is it something on a piece of paper? What does qualified mean? Like, who, who's qualified? How do I find a qualified person? Can you kind of run through what what the what those terms are and what they mean? Um, and go ahead and frame it in the construction trades. That would sure. be beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd be glad to. Um, so qualified um, OSHA's standards basically state for construction and also general industry, but in construction specifically, being a qualified person is, you, you know, you have a recognized degree or training and you're qualified and you have the knowledge to uh, understand the scope and the application and the duty to protect um, em employees and people in the workplace doesn't necessarily make you competent. So you have all the uh, attributes of someone who's been learned, I guess you could say, as a qualified person. Mm -hmm. um, and then you get to a competent person where really, in a nutshell, the person or the people you work for can are the, are the ones that tell you, you know, you are the competent person for our company. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you could have the, the ability to recognize hazards and um, the, recognize what you need to do to change those and eliminate those hazards and then stop work, which exactly actually the definition of a competent person, mm -hmm. but it, your company has to basically deem you. So for instance, in my situation, I'm a qualified person um, to teach OSHA 30 and 10 hour um, in the construction industry mm -hmm. uh, because I went through a training. Um, I went through prerequisites, prere pardon me, right. um, to mm -hmm. get a certification I guess you could call it. Yes, so, it is. Mm -hmm. Authorized. So you, you're an authorized trainer. Correct. So mm -hmm. in order for me to be an OSHA outreach trainer that was authorized yeah. to do this, I had to go through that training. And so that made me a qualified person to do this. Um, and my company is, it, it's kind of a different thing there, but my company, for instance, um, I guess you could say has said, okay, well, you are a competent person for OSHA tenant and 30 hour even though there's not really anything in the standard that talks about the 10 to 30 hour training for that, but mm -hmm. maybe, maybe something more specific, like um, what OSHA calls out um, for fall protection. If you have fall risks, you have to have a, a competent person in fall protection on right. that project at all times. Right. So that means Garney construction or XYZ construction has said James or Josh or whoever it is, is um our competent person and he's qualified and here's how we prove it yeah right and has the ability like you said um a work stoppage correct you know has the ability if if there is a hazardous situation or an unsafe work practice that that competent person has the authority through their company to to stop that work activity exactly yeah exactly yeah. so and that's like the main thing Mm -hmm. And that, that word is also woven competent person within the um, excavation uh, regulation as well, oh, yeah. oh, which, yeah. you deal with, which you deal with in your construction company too. Oh yeah, that's every day. It's basically 90% um, of what we do. Right. And so you're going um, back back to your story. You're you're doing training. You're doing um, competent person and qualified person uh, instructing and training. And like what what's happening with your career now? What's 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 the next phase of your story? So, you know, I'm, I'm teaching heavy equipment. And, mm -hmm. you know, like I said earlier, it kind of um, rolls you into other subjects, especially since you're the company I worked for was so broad in their training. Um, mm -hmm. in, in construction and as well as the general industry. So I learned eventually over the the four years I was there, I learned construction and general industry and 
was a consultant myself and I'd go on to job sites or go to a uh, warehouse or a manufacturing um, plant and do job inspections and audits and trainings and things like that. And so that required me to understand yeah. um, all the different scopes within the um, 1926 and 1910 standard. So mm-hmm. it wasn't just construction anymore at that moment. It was also general industry. Yeah, right. So when you were doing and getting your sort of um, uh, feet wet, wet, if you will, in the in the regulations specific to heavy equipment, were you rewinding in your head thinking, man, in the times before I had any training and I was in a dozer or a backhoe or whatever it was, oh, crap. You know, <laughs> were you thinking in your head like, I didn't, what I didn't know? <laughs> yeah, there was yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of those and you'll hear me laugh when I when I laugh it's mostly like I'm agreeing with what you're saying. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> it's like you laugh now, but at the moment it wasn't funny at all. Right? Um but yes, answer question, man. Oh my gosh. So many things that I can look back on and just say what in the world was I thinking like? Well, cuz you didn't know. Right, but at yeah, the same I'm, time, you know, there's there should be some common sense there, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't legislate common sense. <laughs> Not at That's all. for certain. Not right? at all, but you hope, right? You hope. Right, right. <laughs> right. We can we can hope. Uh, that's why training is so vital. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, please keep going with your story. Okay, so uh, uh, with this consultant firm and doing all mm-hmm. that stuff, and um, I'm liking it, really getting in the groove and understanding how things work and... I really enjoy the construction part of it and um, helping people um, understand the standards and how to apply it to their trades, which is, in my opinion, one of the biggest challenges um, for any type of work is you have a set of rules um, and trying to interpret those rules and then administering those rules in a way that's readily understood by the people working at your company yeah, or different companies, especially as a consultant. I mean, there's so many people that you, you run into and it's not like you're dedicated to, you know, Garney construction or whatever construction company it is. Mm-hmm. And you could get to know them and learn their culture and learn how they um, react to things and how they understand and receive information. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a big challenge. I mean, consultants kind of got a hard job, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying that, you know, dedicated safety professional doesn't, I mean, they got their work cut out for them for, for real. Um, but I wanted to end up making a much bigger difference than just being a source of information and just making recommendations, I guess you could say as a consultant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you want to, um, you know, you talked about how you bridge the gap, if you will, between standards and trades um, you know, the, the, the regulatory text says this, but how do I make it real in the minds of the, of the trade? Um, how do you do that? I mean, I know that you've told me before that you feel like that's one of the things that you do well at. Can you give maybe for our audience some examples of how you do that, that, you know, that they may learn from you? Yeah, I could try to give some examples that might help. Um, but everybody's, got a different situation. So, I mean, mm-hmm. this, this information might not apply for your particular workplace, but for me, um, having the understanding of being a tradesman in the field and knowing how um, people's minds work and when you're focused on getting your work done really, and mm-hmm. then crossing over that bridge, we can, we can call it 
to um, understanding the scope of work and applying different laws and regulations and standards, I guess you could call it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I got a little um, a blessing to be in the field and do things <laughs> the wrong way, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not the best way to learn, but it's a way to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of had a better understanding of um, how the mindset was in the field, I guess you could say. And yeah. um, kind of, as you know, I mean, your background with, with uh, federal OSHA being an enforcement officer, was it an inspection? I'm not sure. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there's a lot of things that are subject to interpretation because that's basically the definition of your understanding is it's subject to your interpretation, right? Right. Um, and there's also a lot of things that are just black and white, you know. Yeah. And it is what it is. You follow this and that's the only way you do it. Well, there's a lot of things in um, construction and I'm sure the same in general industry um, that you kind of have to stand on a fence, uh, so to speak, in order to get a job done. Um, but you mm-hmm. also have, you know, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So bridging the gap between what you what the rule says and how you have to get it done um, can kind of be in conflict with each other. So you have to come up with a plan yeah, and kind of have a, a sit down or a toolbox or a, a tailgate or tailboard meeting, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, recognize the hazards and have kind of a, follow the hierarchy of controls and um, adhere to the standards as, as best as you can to the way that your company interprets it. And there's a lot of resources out there. I mean, there's, you know, OSHA's got their consultation um, people and they're happy mm-hmm. to answer their phones. I've called them many times, countless mm-hmm. times to help me with understanding things and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I think that's really powerful that you just shared that little nugget because there are so many people who are still so fearful of calling OSHA and asking questions. Um, safety professionals, some are absolutely afraid, but their employers are more afraid. Like you did what? You can't do that. You know, like they're going to be right out here and you know, nothing could be further from the truth because you have to have probable cause in order to do an inspection and making a phone call to ask a question does not give OSHA probable cause. And so I think it's really great um, as someone in the construction trades to, for you to admit, like when I need help, one of my resources is to actually call the horse's mouth. (laughs) So no, yeah, good work. (laughs) No, it's, it's something that kind of um, took me a little while um, to kind of do because there was that fear, like you're talking about, of, mm-hmm. wow, maybe they're they're going to use this information against me or something, which yeah. is totally not the case at all in my experience. Right. Plus, I mean, you never have to say who you are, or where you work when you call. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And the, the interesting thing is they don't ask either. I mean, every right. time I've called them, they just are just a wealth of information, really. Mm-hmm. And if they don't know the answer to the question, then they ask you for your information and they try to get back to you on a timely basis. And it's pretty cool. I mean, it really is a good resource. And, you know, that's not just the only one, but, you know, you mm-hmm. have other colleagues in horizontal trades. And, yep. Those are people that have experience and have done it and walk the path that you're on before you. And, you know, those are really huge things that we need, as I mean, for me at least, in the construction industry, um, help with because, you know, you don't want to, um, I guess, reinvent the wheel i guess people like mm-hmm. to call it you know yeah yeah exactly, exactly. But i hope that i hope that helps and i hope that yeah. kind of gives an gives an idea of it but i mean to give a personal example yes um 
for me, um, as a tradesman, you know, I'd be in an excavator and I'd be digging out a trench line and, and doing the open cut so I can um, protect the people that are going to be going into the trench and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'd have safety people that would come out to me and kind of have that safety cop mentality like you're talking about. And you know, my brain's going off like, well, here comes so-and-so. Mm-hmm. I wonder what they're going to say now. Mm-hmm. And there was, I mean, there was complete understanding of why you would think that because every time that person would come out it would just be you know spouting this rule and saying no you can't do this you can't do that and the worst part of it was there was no solutions or you know team mindset and trying to fix it right so i mean sometimes i'd be sitting in my excavator and just like i don't even want to work i don't even want to pull this lever because he's just gonna say something else so you know there'd be times where i say hey come in the rig with me and show me what you want me to do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right exactly <laughs> and, and they wouldn't unfortunately i mean i get it but um yeah i hope you get what i mean right i do i do get what you mean and i'm i'm picturing the way that the way that i did my job when i was with osha and using the using the um the the um, what you've just set up with an excavation is a great one and so i would get on an excavation scene and number one, I'd have to figure out, like, who's that competent person and how am I going to approach this situation first? And so that was always the first question as the safety person on the scene is who's my competent person? And we were talking about that earlier. And then often it was the operator, um, whoever was whoever was um, actually digging that hole. And um, I don't know if that's if that's common, but it seemed like it was common when I was doing inspections. And so uh, rather than coming at it from an accusatory standpoint mm-hmm. of like my eyeballs think that this is not shored properly or mm-hmm. you're not using a trench box and maybe you could be. So I would begin by asking what kind of what kind of soil are we dealing with here? Um, and that would lead into the rest of the questions I would ask. So the competent person, you know, if they said, you know, I'm I'm dealing with a class C soil, I'm dealing with class B. And then I would say, okay, well then how how did you determine that? What test did you use? And, you know, depending on their answer, which sometimes was, I didn't do any, (laughs) I don't know. I just, I've been doing this for 20 years and I know what I'm doing and it's a C, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, or it's Mm -hmm. a B. I know it is. Um, But if they said, you know, I did, I did this and I did that. I'm like, okay, so then let's talk about what, what that would mean for shoring. Let's get out a tape measure, you know, like, can you help me with it? Like, let's measure it together so that so that we're all verifying this at the same time. Like what's the width of your bucket so that we can try to guess what, you know, what the bottom width is. And we, you know, we go from there. And so then that's sort of the way that I would use in bridging that the standard, the regulation says this and what the trades are doing is this. So how far off are we, you know, like are, are we, are we right? Or do we need to do something more with this? And so that's, you know, in that situation that you put out, um, that's how I would deal with it. And I guess in other regulatory senses, it would it would be, I would say, you know, the regulation says this. And so what that means to you in your work environment is this. And here's what could happen if we weren't doing it this way or it's not right right now. And so here's the risk that it puts you at. So even though the rule book says this, let's try to figure out how do we practically give an example of what that means for you in your life right now. And um, usually that would work or people would say, oh yeah, because that one time I got a shock when I did this. 
you know, (laughs) and oh, okay, that's why that makes sense. You know, that didn't always work. It wasn't like, you know, the crystal ball and everybody's eyes went, oh, you know, you're the smartest safety person ever. It didn't always (laughs) happen that way, but it was, it was a safe way to walk into the conversation without someone coming at you and saying, you know, you're just a safety cop. Right. Yeah. That's key. Extremely key. Everything you just said is actually common practice for me here at the company I work for is it's very much team a team effort team mindset rather than just you know saying this is what it is and this is the way you have to do it mm-hmm. I mean so there is you know some moments when there's egregious action you know or reaction to yeah. something that needs to be addressed so right. and you need to be that safety cop in those moments yeah exactly yeah. but I think you know like we talked about earlier bridging the gap between the field and standard meeting people where they are and understanding mm-hmm. um, your audience and your delivery. So basically everything you just said is, um, is how I usually bridge the gap. That's one way. And mm-hmm. you know, you want to make your program a living and breathing program instead of just checking off a box. So you've been trained and I'll see you in a couple of years on this training again. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Can't, it doesn't work that way. No, not or at all. well, it ought not. Yeah. It shouldn't, yeah. Yeah, right. So, Josh, you had mentioned earlier um, education and background, and I know you said that you 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 started college, but I know you I know you came back to it. So, let's talk about kind of your educational background and kind of what that path was sure. and where you're at now. Yeah, I'd be glad to. Um, so, after high school, um, I went to a uh, trade school, really, I guess you could call it. Um, called Boston Reed College for mm-hmm. healthcare safety, um, and they kind of run you through like um, blanket programs. Like this is what medical assistants have to go through. This is what nurses have to go through. This is their risks. This is understanding of of their scope, and mm-hmm. this is what doctors have to go through. And so, kind of um, you know, bridging the gap in that area. I mean, that's a interesting. Different, yeah, it's, it's yeah. So you went from went from construction trades in your in your young um childhood and young adulthood and then all of a sudden whoop, you switched over to healthcare. yeah it's it, it's a crazy it's a crazy journey just because i was i'm the type of person that i'm i like to think a lot about okay is, is this particular type of work going to be around in the next 50 years <laughs> you know right you were wanted to do your own succession planning yeah exactly and um <laughs> is this I, sustainable exactly i uh-huh. figured if you know, there's going to be sick people or there's going to be people, people are going to get sick or going to need help. So, yeah. And then the people that work in those facilities are going to need assistance in making sure that they're safe. Right. So, you know, kind yeah. of took a second step instead of saying, I want to be the person who helps the sick people. I want to be the person who, who helps the people who help the sick people. I guess right. you could say. So what did you do with that? So I did an internship with a, um, a, I would say a hospital, more of a clinic rather. Mm-hmm. It was worked six months at a Kaiser Permanente. I'm not sure if you guys have that yes. at back east. Yeah. Um, so I did that for working. six months. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I worked in pediatrics. I worked in adult medicine and um, orthopedics. And, you know, sometimes I'd have my walks into the surgery in the, in the operating rooms. And, you know, mm-hmm. we'd do our audits and walks and talk to the people who are you know, the doctors, the medical assistants, nurses, uh, anesthesiologists, and kind of figure out what their days look like and um, their risks and ask them questions about what they're concerned about. And so we can get a a good uh, collection of data to kind of, okay, let's sit down and 
um, write down the, the risks of each trade and how can we apply a safe rule or a safe standard mm-hmm. um, according to, you know, a horizontal rule that's kind of set in place. Like sort of, you can kind of put that as like an OSHA thing. You know, you have your, yeah. your OSHA rules or your federal or your state rules. And then you have your standards as a company that you tend to lean towards a, a more safer practice or best practice rather. Sure. Um, and so sure. that's how, that, how did, how did that feel for you? I mean, you had been like at the, at the controls of heavy equipment and all of a sudden you're in healthcare. <laughs> I mean, that's a really pretty big shift. What, what was happening in your mind career wise at that time? Did you, did you miss the trades or were missed you like, it. Oh yeah, you, you did. Okay. Missed it too it's much. I still bo- miss it. It's in your bones. <laughs> okay. Was, yeah. It's in my bones. I mean, I, I just, I don't know what it was as a kid playing video games and stuff like that uh-huh. and translating that to pulling levers and um, operating stuff. And sure. I don't know, I, I guess I, I thought I was pretty good. I mean, there's definitely better operators and tradesmen out there than I, than I am, but it is an absolute art. Yeah, for an, sure it, it is. It is an art. I just <laughs> I marvel and loved watching, like, especially backhoe operators or crane operators. It's yes. so it, it's so intricate. Yes. What they're doing is so intricate with this massive piece of equipment. <laughs> I just, yeah. I, you know, I loved being on a construction site just to watch that art. <laughs> yeah, I know. And uh, like you said, I do miss it. And uh, mm-hmm. that's why I'm at where I'm at right now. Yeah. I, I deal with, you know, 250,000 pound heavy equipment every day walking our job sites and uh, making p- sure people are, are safe yeah. on those and whatnot. Yeah. So but how long did this healthcare gig last for you before you went? I'm, I miss it. I miss it. It was six months. It really was. It oh, was wow. Uh huh. Yeah. And it didn't go any further than that. Um, my mom worked at a Kaiser and she told me how, what the benefits were like. So a part of my decision-making was had a lot to do with like future benefits and yep, you know, of stuff course. like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm like sure that's the reason why we all do job switches or career it changes is. or it, it often is. Mm-hmm. Um, but to kind of um, answer your question, education, yeah, yeah, um, that was the reason why I made the switch. It was just a suggestion, and you know I did the yeah. schooling for uh, two years and um, tried it out. Yeah. You know? And if I didn't like it, which it's not like I didn't like it, it's just um, it wasn't for me. I was used to being outside and yeah. my atmospheres and uh, stuff like that would be ch- ever changing, you know. And mm-hmm. you're in a hospital or a clinic or a let's say in the general industry, for instance, and a lot of uh, there's a lot of repetitive motion and um, stuff like that, and you you don't really see much of what's within that um, box, I guess you could call it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Absolutely. I just like being outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so then you came back to the construction trades yep. and found your found yourself um, in the in a consulting role for a while and and getting your feet wet and and I think you had mentioned earlier that you're are you back in college now? Yeah. So I'm back in college. Um, I'm doing my occupational health and safety bachelor's in science. I'm trying to finish that up. Um, through um, Columbia Southern University, which is an nice. online platform, uh-huh. and it's kind of at your own pace. And I learned, I figured out what I could do that when I started going to all the OSHA Training Institute um, training classes that they had, and mm-hmm. they had, you know, basically recommended those things. I mean, through the instructors and things like that. And sure, finally, so you, sp- 
Yeah, so you spent some time at the at one of the OSHA training institutes as well, getting some additional training. Oh, I spent a lot of time at o- OTI centers. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> They're that's pretty intense. Yeah, they can be. It depends mm-hmm. on what your what class you're taking and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it can mm-hmm. be pretty um, cumbersome um, if you're not used to sitting in a classroom for five days. Right, and you know, so people who are listening, um, in case they don't know what we're talking about. Um, OSHA in the United States is divided into a certain number of regions and, oh, I should know this off the top of my head, but I feel like it's, well, I think there's more than five anyway, um, divided into different regions and each region of the country then has what's called an OSHA training Institute, uh, a center, if you will, where not only OSHA investigators go for specific training, but, um, people who are not government employees like Josh can go and learn specific aspects of, uh, of safety. So you could, for example, I've had a week long training on scaffolding or a week long on, um, just, uh, excavation or machine guarding, um, those electrical safety, those kind of things. And so if you're a, if you're a safety professional or doing that work right now and want additional training, know that you can find the OSHA training Institute, in your region and you can actually take classes there yeah so josh um i'm glad that you've done that that's 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 some pretty at least i i enjoyed that training i mean like you said it's intense and it's a week long but where else would have i had the opportunity to actually build scaffolding you know Mm -hmm. in a safe environment and that was that was pretty cool i i really enjoyed that um that training yeah no a lot of the trainings are hands-on too like you're saying Mm -hmm. so that's a that's mm-hmm. a key to bridge the gap between, you know, standards and safety and yeah. showing people how it's done the safe yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. So Josh, how long have you been at Garney? It's been almost a year now here at Garney. Mm-hmm. Um, I was with a general contractor before this who um, specialized in concrete construction and um, tilt ups and mm-hmm. um, stuff like that and building schools and hospitals. So okay. Okay. Um, before that kind of heavy and kind of, general construction safety i guess you could call it yeah and now it's really specified you know for the type of work that we do here at garney is um work for municipalities and um developers basically in Mm -hmm. federal government and Mm -hmm. um so it it ranges from plant construction whether you're we're building you know water storage tanks pump stations and water treatment facilities um, from mm-hmm. the ground up we're also doing the pipelines for water you know so all the water that you you get in your toilets and your sink you know garney helps helps it get there essentially and then treat right. it and recycle it essentially. right right so what is what's the safety picture like at garney um i know that i know that you're pretty proud of the work that's happening there with regard to safety so let talk about what it what it's like yeah, it's a really great culture, honestly. One of the best ones I've been a bit a part of. Um, first of all, there's a really huge um, agreement on the culture to be actually safe. Because a lot of people say, oh, yeah, safety's our number one. And mm-hmm. safety's at the forefront of our what we do. And it really, you really don't know until, you know, you see it. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I kind of like live my life by is if you know it, you show it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right that's great um, um you don't like i said you don't know until you you actually see what it's like yourself and you experience it and it's 
it's been a really cool year of learning how healthy and how uh, proactive this company wants to be with their safety program and um, the people they let in, I guess you could say, you hmm. know, because a lot of the times, you know, companies will want, okay, this is our safety professional. This is our group of safety professionals and they've been trained. They've gone to school and that's who they let in. And mm-hmm. sometimes, or you know, a lot of the times it's important to get the people who actually do the work in on those sessions or involved in sculpting the, the culture that you're trying to create, which mm-hmm. Garney's done a really killer job of, on, of doing. So, you know, we have our committees and it's, it consists of safety professionals and executives as well as field craft superintendents, foremen, and, you know, labor hands. And, right. you know, we get everybody's, everybody's hand in the pot to, um, you know, if my suggestion sounds really cool and it's it's a really good idea in my head and all the other safety guys had and the guy from the field says oh, i don't know if that really would work so mm-hmm. let's figure out some another way we can do this mm-hmm. so i think that's one thing garney does really well and it builds the culture mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. and it's a lot of repetition it's not a one and done okay train you on this topic and like i said earlier another two years yeah. you get another training yeah. Um, they really want to um, focus on making the program living and breathing. Mm-hmm. So Wove, woven into the company's fabric. Exactly. And yeah. um, getting everybody involved with safety because everybody should be a safety person, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Right. And, you know, you, you had said that, you know, what you led when you talked about what, you know, I asked you the question, what's safety like at Garney? And you said, it's part of, it's the culture. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and, and it, you didn't lead with, well, we do this kind of training. We do that kind of training, <laughs> you know, or we have this many policies mm-hmm. or, you know, I've checked, check, check all the boxes off, which, you know, obviously are parts of what safety professionals have to do. But what you, what you put your finger on immediately is the culture. And it's, you didn't describe it as posters hanging on a wall. You know, you didn't describe it as, you know, slogans that you live by, but you went right to the heart of giving an example of how you get multiple um, voices to Mm -hmm. the table, so to speak, to say, okay, this is, this is how we think that we can do this kind of work. Now, what do you, what do y'all think? Exactly. Is it going to, is it going to work? And if it's not going to work, then how do we, how do we modify, pivot, change? What are everybody's ideas? Kind of dump them all out on the table and like, how can we construct this? Yes. Um, yeah. Very good. And that's um, kind of like a Garney way, I guess you could call it. We call it bleeding blue because that's our colors. <laughs> you got that oh, blue. Okay. Um, but um, the whole mindset behind that is is within someone, and I don't know who, who said this, um, but somebody within the company at one point said um, the phrase get somebody in the boat with you and it really Mm. resounded with me and you know I like to go fish I like to you know do that once in a while so I guess that kind Mm. of helped me understand like okay well if you get someone in the boat with you that's another pair of eyes to help you spot what you can't see and so um, that's the precedent of you know that team team mindset is getting somebody in the boat with you because if you don't, you're going to miss a lot of things, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, one person uh, or excuse me, more people are better than one when you're trying to uh, figure out a solution, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And tell me more about the bleeding blue. What does that mean in your company? 
oh, it's just, you know, you live and breathe the culture um, with our company. It helps a lot because 99% of our company, I would say close to 100, really. I mean, 99.9% of our company is employee owned. Mm. So people get a buy-in, you know, you yeah. get, a, you get a, a stock or a stake in a company and, and you can literally go out to the job site and say, this is my work. This company, is mine, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so there's a real um, ownership, you know, I guess that's what it is. An ownership yeah. um, and understanding. And yeah, then, literal ownership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And um, it helps you want to be involved with, you know, the different programs and, quality and safety and and making sure everything is a well-oiled cog in this giant machine that we're we're mm-hmm. in you know and mm-hmm. um so bleeding blue for garney is um you know you're an employee owner you live and breathe the program you know you are a constant ass- assistant when it comes to helping your colleagues or your brother or sister out in the field you know hey look out for this or let's change this you know you're constantly pointing out things we could do better and mm-hmm. making suggestions and being involved really. I mean, mm-hmm. isn't that what it is? I mean, you're all encompassed, you know, you're heavily yeah. involved. So yeah, exactly. that's what it means for us is, yeah. you know, number one philosophy, safety and, um, um, making a living and breathing and then building the bench. Yeah. I guess you could call it like having yeah. a secession. Right. Right. And getting somebody in the boat with you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you stretch that into, people's homes as well your employees homes right yeah so things, yeah talk about talk <laughs> about that this is a new thing we're trying it's kind of a california thing right now and we're going to see how how it works but um it's called safe at home um and basically the idea is safety doesn't stop um at the end of your shift mm-hmm. um it it's continuous you know and basically you do not you're not compartmentalizing your your life i guess in a way of, okay this is work and this is home or something like that and people like that which is fine mm-hmm. but the kind of um help with the culture we're trying to build here um having people have a continuous i guess you could call it like a a safety angel <laughs> on your shoulder okay uh-huh. you know but um home stands for something um and it has to do with occupation but it's a healthful occupational uh, management environment mm-hmm. um, and so we call it safe at home and we kind of apply that to our homes and you know we ask people to uh, you know you know here take a picture of this something you see outside the house or and something that how how can we apply this in a training or how can we apply this in a toolbox you know because um, you're you're basically going to work to um, support your livelihood right mm-hmm. and to make it back home so mm-hmm. that's the that's the main thing of it is you want to be safe so you can go home. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it we want it to continue, you know, and um, it's not like we're requiring you do that because you can't really do that as an employer. You know, your shift's done. You, you clock out, you're done for the day. Right, right. But how does that knowledge transfer to your home environment, which impacts your ability to come back to work, but also at the same time, you're keeping your family safe and your community safe if you're applying uh, the knowledge that you're that you're learning at work to situations outside of where you're getting your paycheck. Yeah, and that's kind of the idea. And then it kind of rolls into like people who might have an injury on the job and safe back to work programs that we have and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's yeah. all encompassed within that. It's yeah, still it it's still sense. kind of being. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. 
No, that's fine. It's kind of um, in the first fruits, um, and we're we've rolled it out and we've introduced it, and um, we have stickers and things like that, and kind of marketing stuff for it. But um, I haven't really seen been here long enough to have it render the results that I want to see yet. Yeah, but it's not that you don't have some bragging rights. I mean, it sounds like, you know, for anyone listening and you hear that your work is in heavy civil construction company, that's a high hazard industry. And to hear about what you're doing and that you're actually achieving it for anyone who's like, well, you know, it's construction. This is just how it is. It's dangerous. You know, there's not a lot we can do you're hearing it here. <laughs> There's a lot you can do. And I think you've got a pretty decent um, track record with injuries to brag about as well, don't you? Yeah. I mean, to kind of <laughs> give you a general or a broad understanding of it, Yeah. Um, our experience mod rate as a company, and we have close to 2,500 employees, um, is 0.4 whoa um, so to kind of that give you phenomenal <laughs> give a context of that um industry standard is 1.0 mm-hmm. and i'm sure you understand how that all works and stuff but um mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think that kind of gives you a be- a good understanding of this is actually number one on our um up, you know amongst our philosophies here yeah so the number that you just shared is absolute bragging rights and to be applauded that's phenomenal and if you hear josh saying experience modification rate and gave that number of one being um average and you're below average and below average in this case means you're saving a lot of money and you're hurting um (laughs) hardly any people it's phenomenal and and um if if you want to know more about that I'd encourage any of the listeners to just back up one episode to episode number 24, where I have a workers' compensation expert explain in great detail what that modify what that modifier number means and um, what it means for companies. So congratulations to your company. That's really excellent. It's yeah, really it's, excellent. it's cool. I mean, it's cool to be a part of something that's um, come so far. And I mean, I've only been here for a year, but... Um, you know, it, it just, it's a lot of hard work that goes into that. So it's a lot of team effort. So everybody, yeah. everybody, everybody gets the pat on the back, you know, and yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you had mentioned, um, you had mentioned a little bit ago about you're seeing the first fruits. Talk more about what that means. First fruits with regard to culture or progress, or what does that mean? Uh, both really. Um, you know, first fruits, you know, basically as the evidence of, um, the program that you're creating, um, coming to yeah. fruition. You know, and um, with here in California, at least, um, we've been a company for five years here. And Mm -hmm. um, the rest of the company has got a lot of experience as in, you know, years. So Garney Construction in in California is is pretty young in Mm -hmm. trying to catch up with uh, the rest of the company. And there's some differences and things like that. But um, to kind of give you an example, you know, the mindsets really are changing. Um, in the mm. field mm-hmm. so that's one of my that's my number one goal here is mm-hmm. if I could change our mindset into um, evolving what you think is productive and making it one with being safe mm-hmm. then I'm doing my job mm-hmm. um, and so changing the mindset and seeing it um, you know with your own eyes you know you 
you train your guys, right? You, you set your expectations or your girls, whoever it is. Mm-hmm. You, you set your expectations um, and you train them and you show them how to do the things. And you continue through repetition training, you know, whether it's through um, what I do here is I make my own specific fo- uh, toolbox cards. Like we call it safety focus cards here. Mm-hmm. But I make it specifically for our trade and scope instead of just buying a 52-week solution offline, you know what I mean, which really doesn't mm-hmm. have anything to do with what we do. Mm-hmm. But really, going out in the field, what's our struggles? What are we doing really well? Um, and how can we make it better? Um, well, this is what our policy says. Um, thank God it's safer, and it's we lean on best practice and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. how do we do this? So, you know, right. going out and, and telling people about giving the information, like I said, setting the expectation, showing them how to do it, giving them access to um, people who know more about certain things such as, mm-hmm. you know, what types of gloves are we going to be using for this scope? You know, yep. that's just a small example. Yeah. And it's the people that are in the boat together with you. Exactly. Like, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm seeing the fruition of um, that type of work because I'm going out to job sites and people are wearing their PPE. People are talking to each other. Um, hey, why aren't you wearing your safety glasses? Or, hey, why aren't you wearing your, your gloves? You know? Yeah. Or, hey, let's stop. Let's think about this. You know? Yeah. Let's go back to our job hazard analysis, which we we have, um, we call it our stack meeting or safety task analysis card. And mm-hmm. we do it every every morning. If mm-hmm. the task changes, you know, you're supposed to account for that, the, the risks involved with those hazards before you begin the scope. Right. And a lot of the times when you're in the field, you just go, 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 and your, your mind is so focused on on one thing. You know, get this work done. Yeah. Um, and it's not, um, it's not. Hey, let's stop this and think about it, and then ask someone else what they think, mm-hmm. how we can get it get get some solutions about controlling the hazards, and 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 then you apply it right. So right. it it takes extra time, but it's worth it. Well, it absolutely is. And it account, it, you know, it's like you're taking that breath to say, okay, what's the job today? Who's here? Where's everybody going to be? How are we going to do it? And how are we going to do it safely? <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. instead of just like, okay, pull my car up to the site, get out, start doing, you know, whatever. It's, it, it works better to work as a team. Yeah. No, you're yeah. right. You're right. And yeah. There's a lot of th- lot of different examples I can bring up, but um, yeah, um, the mindset is the biggest one that I'm seeing is yeah. you know yeah. teaching the old dogs new tricks. I guess you could call it, mm-hmm. and will. learning from them too. And learning, oh my gosh, I'm learning a lot from those guys. Right. Um, I tell them. I make sure that I tell them that because you know everybody is. We're all humans, right? We mm-hmm. all deserve the same amount of respect. You know, whether right. you're a manager or you're a field hand. We all deserve yeah. the same amount of ex- respect. So yeah. if you understand that, and uh, I think you'll go far. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Lead lead with that first. Yeah. Lead with that first. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Josh, as we wrap up our time together today, um, for any safety professionals who are, who are listening, um, particularly in the construction trades, do you have – do you have any um, advice for people other than that beautiful nugget that you just dropped <laughs> five seconds yeah, ago? <laughs> yeah, uh, don't don't uh, isolate yourself mm. um, because 
if you think that you have to do a job on your own, yeah. like if you're a part of a construction company that wants to be safe or whatever yeah. company that wants to be safe and they hire you as the safety professional, don't think that it's just your job. It yeah. is everybody's job. Everybody has the responsibility of um, being safe. So it doesn't all fall on that safety professional. The safety professional is really there as a reference tool, mm -hmm. um, as someone who could, like we talked about a lot during this session, is bridging the gap, right, between mm -hmm. standards and uh, application in the field. But don't isolate yourself, and um, you're not alone. There's a lot of resources out there, you know, whether it's through um, colleges like Columbia Southern or OSHA training institutes or podcasts like this or mm -hmm. having a meeting with, um, you know, a group of safety professionals that you've kind of gotten together in your local area, you know, kind of like how ASSP kind of does it. And they do a, um, mm -hmm. a lot of informational things and stuff like that, which has a lot to do with the safe at home thing. Um, I forgot to add that, but um, there's yeah. a lot of resources out there. So you're not alone. And that's kind of how I, how I thought it, I was alone mm -hmm. um, when I first started this. And it was really overwhelming. Yeah. So, yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love that. Don't isolate yourself. That makes so much sense. Um, yeah. Thank you for that. Really appreciate it. And Josh, thank you so much for your time today. This has been, this has been great and congratulations on your work in progress, um, at Garney. And I'm, I'm interested to keep following your career and, and the company and see what happens next with this, uh, the singing safety professional. <laughs> tell me if you tell me if you develop something around that. I want to know. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get back to you on that. I have yeah. to get some. I have to get some. Uh, some. Uh, I guess you could call it pride or some some confidence in doing bringing my guitar to the field and seeing how that uh -huh. works. I want to. I want to hear how that works. I'll, sing, <laughs> I'll right. get some standards on a piece of paper and put a melody to it and see what happens. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for <laughs> your time and having me on here. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you all so much for joining in and listening today. And thank you for the work that you all do to make sure your workers make it home safe every day. And special thanks to our podcast producer, Will Moss. And remember, you can listen to all of our episodes at vividlearningsystems.com or subscribe in the podcast player of your choosing. If you have a suggestion for a guest, including if it's yourself, please contact me at social at vividlearningsystems.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>